Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. It's an honor tonight to bring the word of God to you. We are on our third week of the sermon series of the Beatitudes. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Johnny, for the privilege tonight. And uh, i just excited to uh, share this word. I hope that you came expecting. You know, that girl in the testimony did a super smart thing. Things going wrong, and she headed to church. Because in this place, you can hear from God. How many of you believe that? And you know what I love about the Holy Spirit? His, he is so amazing that we could be speaking on beatitudes and he can be talking to you about how to raise children or how to solve the problem at work or one guy told me that God told him what to do about an engineering situation in the middle of his in the middle of my sermon I thought are you really listening but he said the Holy Spirit showed him exactly what to do to fix a problem he had at work. Isn't that a good God? And I know the Holy Spirit is moving around in this room right now, and I'm expecting all of you to hear from God tonight. Amen? That's what I expect every time I head to a place where I'm going to meet together with other believers. How many of you are expecting the same? Who could use a word from the Father? Yeah. Hallelujah. You know, there's a scripture, Jesus spoke on it in Mark chapter 4. Um, she, he says something like this, whatever measure you bring is the measure I give it to you. And I like to say it like this, it's whatever expectancy you brought in this place, whatever size of expectancy you brought to the Father is the measure that he uses to fill you with revelation and understanding and answers and encouragements and so on. How many of you came expecting big tonight? I mean, you could bring a little expectancy like the size of this cap here. And uh, the good news is the Father promises to fill it. Hallelujah. Or you can bring maybe something the size of this bottle. And, and God said, I'll fill it. Whatever you bring, the measure you bring is the measure he fills. Oh, goodness. Everybody want to take a moment and adjust their measure? Hallelujah. Yeah, expect to hear from God tonight. That's the right thing to do in the house of the Lord. Well, we are going to go back to Matthew chapter 5 and discuss the, uh, the Beatitudes. I am on the third one. Pastor Jesse brought a wonderful word. He launched us off and got us going with a powerful word on the, be the first Beatitude. The thing that he said that got me, he said, Jesus blew their minds with this teaching. In fact, the world is still being affected by this teaching. And I love what he said. He, he brought the, the vision of the kingdom of God. And he set up, here's the values to live in the kingdom. How many of you know that's a good word? Glory to God. Jesus brought the vision of the kingdom of God and establishes the values. And then Pastor Matt last week brought it. And I, I love that he said about the ladder. It's like a ladder that God gives us that we can start wherever we are. We can start on that first step and then keep climbing on up and God and, and continue to get closer and closer to the Lord. How many of you thank God for men that bring the word of God? Amen. Praise the Lord. 
My week number three is, uh, let me read all of them for you because I want to just set the foundation. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. As I spoke that, I just want to say, um, you know, when we speak about mourning, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, there's some I sensed in my, I was praying over here in the chapel, and I just sensed there are some that, uh, there's, a, there's a mourning going on, and I want you to know that the Holy Spirit, God says that he is your comforter, and he's going to minister peace to you tonight. Even now, but as you go home, you're going to sense the peace of God enter into that situation, and you're going to feel his presence, and it's going to bring wholeness back to you. Hallelujah. Whoever that's for, we'll just leave that there. Praise the Lord. And then this week, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Wow, what a promise, huh? Blessed are the meek, for they're going to inherit the earth. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I got my assignment, I thought, Wow, meek. I mean, isn't that the, kind of the same thing as weak? And I thought, well, couldn't they have just asked me to teach on the fire of God? Wouldn't that be good? The fire of the Holy Ghost or the glory of God manifesting. And I got to dig it into my assignment. And I have to say, I'm really amazed at what God has spoken into my heart and challenged me. Even in my own life, I've already been changed. By the words that I've gone over and over as I began to pray for this particular message. My notes got up to 15 pages. So you're in luck. I figured it out. I've worked on it and worked on it. We'll be out by 11, I promise. <laughs> because there were so many things. And then I want to thank Faith Institute instructors and Faith Institute students. I asked for some help. I needed some uh, you know, what do you guys say is the meaning of meek? Thank you. <laughs> That's one of the students. And then I ask them another question. You have some stories that could help me illustrate what meekness looks like. They just gave me so much material. It was wonderful. I appreciate every one of you for everything that you gave uh, to help me with this message tonight. So these are the three questions we're going to ask. What is meekness? Because we've got to know what it is in order to work on it and develop it. Amen? Amen? What does it look like in action? And how about this? Once we get that figured out, how do we develop it personally? If it really is a secret to the kingdom, then how do we make sure that we have a lot of it going on in our personal lives? Can you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. For every word of God. Thank you for what you have to say to every person. Thank you for ministering comfort to those who need it tonight. Thank you for bringing answers and thank you for speaking into each life. I'm asking and believing as we have already prayed. We believe for your impartations and deposits tonight that will make a difference in every single individual in this house and those listening online. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what is meek? What is meekness? So let's begin with a couple of definitions. Sometimes I get excited and it's hard for me to stay in the teacher mode, but you know, we, we have uh, our Faith Institute here, and I think I've developed a whole class on this subject now, so I'm going to work on that. 
But tonight I want to get you something that I think you can walk away and really utilize and, and put it to practice. So the first definition that I got from one of our instructors, <clears throat> the quality, what is meek? The quality characteristic of humility when coupled with gentleness. The meek person not only does not threaten or challenge others, but accepts others openly and confidently. There's a Greek word, I'm not sure I say it correctly, but I'll say preus. It's the same word that Jesus used <clears throat> when he talked about himself. He uses of himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle or meek, preos, and humble in heart. One of the best things I can say to you tonight is everything that we're going to talk about, everything is here. Jesus invited us personally to come close to him and learn from him. So if you're not too sure about this meekness thing, I just want you to know, first of all, Jesus said, I'm meek, I'm lowly, I'm gentle in heart, come close to me and learn of me. So just look at your neighbor and said, we got this made, we got it made. Jesus has invited us to help us with this. The meek, another definition, the meek are, gent are the gentle those who do not assert themselves over others in order to further their own agendas in their own strength, but who will nonetheless inherit the earth because they trust in God to direct the outcome of the events. That sounds good. That's from the ESV study Bible. The third beatitude is practically a quotation from Psalms 37, 11, but the meek will inherit the earth and enjoy peace and prosperity. Anybody interested in that? So the meekness then is an important quality to enjoy peace and prosperity. The Christian meekness is based on humility, which is not a natural quality, but an outgrowth of the renewed nature. So if anybody in here, if you're born again, is anybody here born again? Let me see. I can't really see you, but I think your hands are going up. Good. If you're born again, I have good news for you. You have the new nature of God on the inside of you, so meekness is already in there. Glory to God. You're going to have to declare, I am going to develop meekness in my life. It's going to be something that everyone can see. That's what I'm believing. That's what I'm expecting. From the Spirit Living Bible, my wife shared this with me. She said, it goes like this, meekness or that proetes word, a disposition that is even-tempered. Now, don't look at your neighbor or your husband or anything like that. Just stay straight towards me. A disposition that is even-tempered, tranquil. I like this, balanced in spirit, unpretentious, that has the passions under control. The, work is translated, the word is translated meekness is not an indication of weakness, but of power and strength under control. Oh, I like that. The person who possesses this quality pardons injuries, corrects faults, and rules his own spirit well. Does that sound like you now? Are you feeling? You, you, man, I, I am this. This is me, right? We can all say that. This is definitely me. The Wycliffe Bible commentary says, gives us this instruction. You know how Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 1 says, walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. Now, he didn't say you had to become worthy in order to walk with the Lord. He's not saying that. He's saying something totally different. Many of Paul's letters are like this. The first 
half of the book is usually all about what it is that we got when we got born again, how wonderful it is, how powerful it is, how glorious it is. We have got it made. We've got the new nature. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got the Word of God. Everything we need for life and godliness is given to us. God has stacked the deck in our favor. We have got it all. That's chapter 1, 2, and 3 in Ephesians. And then he makes the transition chapter. Now here's what you got to do with it. Chapter 4, verse 1, or verse 2, excuse me, first 1 says, walk in a manner that's worthy of this holy calling that he's made to you. Verse 2 says, with all humility, all meekness and patience, bearing with one another, being eager to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He says, with all patience, excuse me, with all humility, meekness, and patience. That's what he's saying. Because of what we have, let's do our best to walk in that with all humility, with all meekness, with all patience. Lowliness carries the idea of humility. Uh, Jesus said of himself, I'm lowly in heart. Here he is, the son of God. He came from the right hand of God. He went back to the right hand of God. And while he's on the earth, he says, I'm humble and lowly in heart. What a tremendous example. Meekness speaks of the gentleness. This is what I love about godly men and women. You can sense the gentleness of their spirit. The love, the passion, the, the tenderness of God is in them. And long-suffering is persevering. And eat, excuse me, preserving an even temperament, even in the face of adversity and persecution. I know there's a lot of words, but I, good news is though most of those are in the app. So if you look on the app where we keep sermon notes, they put it all, all that in there. And for a price, I guess I could share my 15 pages. No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> I used to, we used to have a horse. His name was Gent, short for gentleman. And Gent was a, an amazing horse. He was big and he was strong. He was a, gil, a, a quarter horse or something like that. And, and they used him for pulling things and he was just awesome. But we got him, he was just for, you know, for us kids to ride and enjoy life in our pastures kind of thing. But Gent was amazing. He, I could get on him and that's what I would do. I'd get on these horses and we lived out in the country and you could just fly like the wind. Most of the time I didn't use a saddle or a bridle. I just held on to the mane. I had this horse's train where I could just take off and, and it was an awesome time as a teenager to just be able to go to the swimming hole, to run around the lake as fast as the horse could absolutely go. Sometimes I would just be like there, you know, like the movie and it was just awesome and Gent was one of the best for this. He could climb stuff, he could jump in the water, we could swim. I mean, he was the, uh, such an awesome horse. But if you put a child on him, he was the, it was, that's why he got his name, Gent. He would go into meek mode. I mean, he would step so carefully. He would do nothing to jostle. Even if something suddenly happened, Gent would stay perfect. He was the one that we would only put the babies on and the small children on because he was so gentle, or we could say he was meek. One of my favorite books uh, authors, Andrew Murray, talks about meekness. 
And he says it like this. Um, the meek ones are willing to see themselves as they really are. And I love this. I had an instructor in Bible school. He said, humility is reality. Humility is reality. So it's really just learning to understand our true position, that we are nothing without Christ, that we can do nothing without him. Amen? He is the all in all. And And a meek person truly grasps this idea that we, we're going to trust God for everything to work out. We're going to expect God. We're not going to push our rights. We're not going to uh, fight back. We're not going to you know, push our will into the situation. We're just going to relax and trust God. One of the instructors told me a story about a situation at work where it was um, <clears throat> somebody... Uh, said an improper story about them. They said they did something that they in actually, in actuality, had done, and it was going to cause them to get fired. And they were going through all of these things, and, and this, this, it was their boss. And the situation was, was very tense. And, and as a Christian, there could have been a lot of responses to that. It was unfair. It wasn't right. It was, it was you know, just wrong that it was done. And then to speak so evil about them. But they said, through it all, I just stayed steady and I kept trusting God. You know, that's what the Bible says. The meek shall inherit the earth. And that's a beautiful thing to realize is that means God's saying, you're going to win. You're going to come out on top. And we are going to come out on top in the end. We have nothing to be concerned about. Amen? <laughs> when we all get to heaven, it's a good day. And she said that the, this situation went on and it, it took some time. And it happened twice. So not only go through the whole thing once, falsely accused, but then it happened again. But she said, I just kept my demeanor. I didn't retaliate. I didn't speak evil back. I just stayed. I lived the Christian life. I stayed meek. She says, in the end, it all got taken care of. It all got uh, made right. All the truth came out. And that person that put her through all that situation gave her a call one day. And he says, I just want you to know through it all, I want to thank you for your professionalism. God wants us to be able to shine like a light. We handle situations differently. And we do things differently than most, situa- no, most people. Amen. That's right. Because why? Because we have him on the inside of us. Amen. He is the God who gives us the ability to not react, not respond. Not fight our own battles. He's the God that's given us the ability. Isn't this what Jesus taught? Isn't this what Jesus taught when he, his lessons of humility, when the disciples disputed who would be the greatest? When, they, when he saw how the Pharisees loved the chief places of the feast, when the chief seats in the synagogues, and when he had given them examples of washing their feet. Can you imagine that moment? I, I'm with Peter. I would say the same thing. There's no way, Jesus, you're washing my feet. You can't touch my dirty, crusty, ugly feet. And Jesus says, if I don't, you have no part in me. Think about that. The beauty of Jesus' humble spirit, the servant heart that he came to serve, that he gave those guys an example. Then he says, you see what I've done for you? And I'm your teacher and I'm your master. He says, this is what I'm asking you to do for one another. 
Now, don't run out of here screaming because I said, well, we're going to wash feet. I've seen this done. I've, I've, I've been in those types of services. And it's a beautiful thing. It always causes everyone involved to be so humbled, especially when, um, when, it's, ha- when it's happened to me. It breaks me. It doesn't break me because of, of what I'm feeling. It breaks me because of what I'm watching. It's such a beautiful example. And I want you to know, Jesus has called us to be meek. Don't worry about washing feet. Don't, I don't want you to get caught on that one. Humility before God is nothing if not pro- proved in humility before men. Now we can say we're walking humbly before God. But it's only, how do we really know? It's easy to be humble with God. He's God. But can we be humble with each other? Can we serve one another? And not just trying to do it in the outward, you know? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna act humble. Or I'm so proud of how humble I am. No. A true heart of humility really sees and understands we really are servants to one another. One of the students at Faith Institute said it like this. He says, it's not about being like frightened sheep. He says, it's about like being a humble lion. I like that statement. I want to be a humble lion for Jesus. Able to take off my robe and serve people. And not be so pretentious and all about me and what am I doing and show, you know, be showy, but just truly humble and meek in my heart and serving others because I recognize these are the same ones that he laid down his life to serve. God wants us to live the life that he lived. We, he is our example. Meekness is strength under control. It's not being weak. So many times the world's definition of it is weakness. My friends, to be meek is awesome. It's of great, it takes great strength to be truly meek with our brothers and our sisters and the people outside of our family. They need to see us being like Jesus. They need us to shine the light One of the instructors told a story about a a situation where somebody came into their office screaming and yelling and cussing and so upset. Anybody ever have that happen? And what he didn't realize was that people in the office were watching and they, they knew that this man was a Christian, but they weren't sure how he would react in this situation. And they really wanted to know whether he's really the true stuff or not. He said, I didn't react, I didn't respond. I just gave the facts to the gentleman and he went out of the office red-faced and mad. But he he stayed meek like Jesus. And that ended and that person went on and found out the whole thing they were mad about, it never even happened. The email didn't go through and so it was just a false accusation. But what what this instructor didn't realize was how many people in the office were watching to see if he was really a Christian. Can you imagine that? At work, people are watching us to see if we really are Christian. How do they see it? They see it in the way we react and respond to life. 
and people in our lives. You know, Paul gives us tremendous instruction all through the Bible, all the letters of Paul. And you all know that. But I want you to catch something on this idea of meekness because he, we find training about meekness in every, chap, every one of Paul's letters. I'm going to walk through it kind of quickly, but I just want you to catch it. Good news is it's in the sermon notes in the app, so if you want to sit down, like I'm trusting all of you will, before 24 hours is up and literally look up all the scriptures and actually let it meditate on them. You do all do that, right? Yes? Okay. Trusting that you will. We train them that way in the Bible school, the Faith Institute. We want you to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. I used to poll people after services, and I'd ask them after a sermon. I'd say, now, what did you remember, or what is your action point? The funniest thing was I'd say, so what would, oh, pastor, that sermon was so good. And I'd say, well, what did I say? <laughs> what was so good? And the one, I just remember this one long time ago. I was, we, my wife and I were pastor in the church, and, and they, they, they look at me, the blanks look in their eyes, and I knew they were in trouble, and they pulled the bulletin out where we had the sermon notes in there to tell me what was so good that they were telling me it was so good. Listen. Go over the scriptures. The only way we can really grow is if we take the messages that Pastor Johnny and, and all the other pastors bring and we feed on them and we meditate on them and we choose to grow. They say if you don't do anything with the message, you'll only retain 10% of it. But if you just review it once, it goes up to 30 plus percent. And if you review it twice, you're going to keep 70% of it. That's some good statistics, right? If you want to be a doer of the word. Now, I mean, I, this is one of those, I almost named this, ser this sermon, Only Serious Christians Need Apply. So only the serious ones, you would do that. But listen to this. Here's some instructions. I'm going to go through it kind of quickly. To the Romans, he said, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, give preference to one another. To the Corinthians, he gives us the famous chapter 13 of uh, 1 Corinthians, love is patient and kind, and it doesn't envy. It doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. Here's the meekness. It doesn't behave rudely. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. I always say to the serious Christians, look that scripture up in amplified version. Uh, you're going to be in repentance and fasting and mourning for the next month. <clears throat> to the Galatians, he says, for you, brethren, you've been called to liberty. Only don't use your liberty as an opportunity of the flesh, but through love, serve one another. To the Ephesians, immediately after teaching those three chapters on the heavenly life and everything that we have, he says, now walk with this lowliness and meekness and patience for bearing, one another in, bearing with one another in love, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. The Philip. Philippians, he says, have not, that nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Boy, think about people. And here's the scripture saying, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, I know this is radical. He might want to throw something at me at this point, but look, I'm just going to read it from him. Okay, it's not me, it's him. It's Paul. Let each of you esteem the other better than himself. 
Let this mind be in you. Look at your neighbor and said, that's for you. I know that's for you. Let this mind be in you, which was where? Also in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant as he hum and humbled himself. Oh my goodness. To the Colossians, one of my favorite passages. Colossians chapter three. I just love memorizing this particular passage of scripture because there's so much things to do. I want to live this life. He says, talks about putting off the old stuff. But here's what he says to put on. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one, one another, and forgiving one another. How? Even as Christ has forgiven you. Anybody here happy with the way that Christ has forgiven you? Guess what? we understand what he's done for us, then he's asked us to do the same for one another. I sensed this earlier, and I sense it again now, just as I came upon that. So many times, we have people that are stuck because of unforgiveness, inability to release something that has happened. And I want you to know that there is grace for you. I know that there's a lot of tough stuff that happens but I want you to start with the first step. Jesus said, you're to forgive the way that I have forgiven you. The thing that I've learned about that is that it's been difficult sometimes, but as I've done that, I say, all right, I choose to forgive. And even though I still want to punch something, I, I choose to forgive because he said, he didn't say I had to feel forgiving. He just said, choose to forgive because that's the right thing to do. And I basically said, Lord, I'm forgiving them like you forgive me. So it's done. I choose to forgive them completely. And what I've learned, it's like getting a splinter out. You know, when, especially when you're kids. You remember when your kids got a splinter? <laughs> and, you know, and it's all red and, and it's, it's, it's puffed up. And, and you know that if you just take the splinter out, it's going to get better, right? And they fight you. Ball and squall. Oh, no, don't touch it. Don't just leave it alone. You finally wrestle them down, and your wife holds them, and the dog holds them, and you hold, and you pull them out, the splinter. And then it's all gone, and it begins to heal immediately. That's what I see when I'm dealing with forgiveness. First step, get the splinter out. Make the choice. The feelings will come. Because he's forgiven us, we can forgive others. That's what's so powerful about it. He's given us the power to do it. And trust me, I've been doing counseling and meeting with people for years. I know there's a lot of really rough things that have happened. But between you and the Father, you can make that choice and the healing can begin. Even tonight. Andrew Murray says this, it's our relationship to one another our treatment of one another, that's a true lowliness of mind and the that the true lowliness of mind and humility of heart can be seen. There's a guy named George Fox. I, I, I don't know his background so well. I just know he wrote some great books that I like. But he said this, I knew Jesus and he was very precious to my soul. But I found something in me that would not keep sweet and patient and kind. Has anybody ever felt like him? 
I found something in me that wouldn't keep sweet or patient or kind. And I did what I could to keep it down, but it was there. And here's what he said. I sought Jesus to do something for me. And, then I gave, and when I gave him my will, he came into my heart and took all out that would not be sweet, that would not be kind, that would not be patient, and he shut the door. How many of you would like to have some help from Jesus like that? Glory to God. I just want to encourage you tonight to desire with all earnestness that God would remove, just that we would remove every bit of the clothes of pride and self-seeking and selfishness, everything that's dirty from the manifestations of the flesh. The scripture says we can put off those clothes. You know, we we can just take them off. Just get rid of them. You have that power now because you've been born again. And the good news is he says we can put on the new stuff. You've been born again and so you have the ability to put on these beautiful attributes that God has given to you. I love that these clothes, Jesus taught about these first in the Beatitudes because he brought these virtues. I believe he brought them from heaven. This is, Pastor Jesse said, this is the new standard. This is the place he's calling us up to. He says, you can do this because of what I'm about to do in you. You can live the higher life. The virtues are yours. They belong to you. Let's put it off the old man and put on the new man. Sometimes you have to ask the Lord. You have to get vigilant about it, almost intentional about it. I'm going to do this. As I've mentioned, Paul talked about him in every letter. It's putting down the self. Remember what Jesus said, take up your cross daily. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. Oh, pastor, now you're talking about stuff that I gotta do. Yeah, but what if we talk a little more about that inheriting the earth? Does that sound good to you? That these virtues are for you to live in and walk in and fulfill Glory to God. Who, who, who do we see meekness in? Remember King David when he had the chance? The guy that was trying to kill him, he was right there with a spear in his hand. And he would not because he was going to let God work it all out. He would not touch the anointed of the Lord. What about <clears throat> Jacob? Not Jacob, Joseph. Remember Joseph who got sold into slavery? Is that being, that's wrong, isn't it? Then in slavery, he got falsely accused. Now he's in jail. Then in jail, he serves people there and they, and they get benefited by it. He, he interprets their dreams and then they did what? Forgot about him. But all of this was because of his brothers. How many of you got a brother or a sister that you've suffered because of? Oh, boy. But I want you to go fast forward to the last day or to the finish of the story when his 11 brothers and his father were kneeling before him, or just the brothers. They were kneeling before him. He, had, he was second in command in the world. He could have said, off with their heads. I don't know about you. I think I would have thought about it. <laughs> but he didn't. He said, guys, you think you did it wrong. You did wrong, and it was wrong, but it was God working to save the world. 
Glory to God. I want you to know that God wants to work in us to save the world. And he needs us to be a meek and quiet spirit. I forget the, the verse, but it talks about the incorruptible beauty of the meek and quiet spirit that God loves. Developing this heart and this attitude is precious in the sight of God. Jesus said it like this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Aren't we tired of battling it? Trying to work it out? Trying to make our own way? Trying to get the upper hand? There's another way. God wants us to live that way. We can have the power to do something, but we can choose not to. We can defend ourselves, but we can also choose not to. We can fight back, but we can also choose not to. We can enforce our rights, and we can choose not to. I don't know. It's not always best to get our own way, is it? Sometimes it's best to let God have his way. Choose that way. I want to read you this story that I got from one of our students that I thought was really a perfect understanding of this. This is what I'm going to go after. I want to be this wild horse that becomes truly meek for the master to be able to use. The Greek word praus was used to define a horse trained for battle. Wild stallions were brought down from the mountains and broke for riding. Some were used to pull wagons, some were used to be racers, but some were trained for warfare. They were able to retain their fierce spirit, their courage, and their power, but were disciplined to respond to the slightest nudge or pressure of the rider's leg. They could gallop into battle at 35 miles an hour and come to a sliding stop at the word. They were not frightened by arrows, spears, or torches. They were said to be meeked. To be meeked was to be taken from the state of wild rebellion and made completely loyal to and dependent upon one's master. That's my prayer. I want to be no more the wild, yielding to the flesh. I want to be meeked so that I can move at the slightest nudge of the master. Jesus was meek. In your notes, you'll see several scriptures. There's probably 15 I listed there. But I just want you to catch the essence of it. It's Jesus who said it this way. He humbled himself. He said, the son of man can do nothing of himself. That he only does what the father shows him to do. Jesus said of himself, I can do nothing. My judgment is righteousness because I do not seek my own, but I seek the will of him who sent me. How many of you would like to say the same thing when it's all said and done? That you didn't seek your own, but you seek the will of him who sent you. Glory to God. Jesus said, I didn't come for myself. I don't do anything for myself. He says, I don't seek my own glory. There's a beautiful sight of someone being meek, not seeking our own glory. All glory belongs to the Father. Jesus said it like this, come to me, all you that are, who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened. Did anybody here feel that way? I will cause you to rest and take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I simply want to be 
the vessel that God can use. And I want him to be able to nudge me and I can move in the direction that he nudges me. I want him to be able to use us all. Andrew Murray said this, Humility as it is, the mark of Christ will be the one standard of glory in heaven. Can you imagine? The lowliest is nearest to God. The prime position in the church is promised to the humblest. When do we want to get started being meek and humble? Today, tonight. Many of you have developed in this wonderfully. Some of you are just getting started. But I just want you to know this third beatitude. And by the way, I think I carry a little extra weight because Pastor Marcos assigned me to teach when we went to Israel. I taught on the Mount of the Beatitudes in Israel. Yeah, I know, I know. It's pretty amazing. So you see, I have extra authority on the subject. Yeah, I didn't have a hard time finding my passage. The meek and lowly one calls us to learn from him and the pathway to closer walk with God. So I challenge you today, let's study these words, all these different scriptures. Why? So we can renew our mind and get filled with them. Maybe be convinced that learning to be meek is worth it the effort because it truly does lead us to the highest places. Moses was the most humble in his house, and he became the greatest in that house. Jesus was the most humble, and he is sitting at the right hand of God. Do you see a pattern? There's a purpose for this. Every one of us has the privilege, and I want you to know, where do you begin? Here's where, I'm just going to give you a simple list. Repent of selfishness. I know nobody in this room, but those other people that are not here. <laughs> Repent of it. Just ask God to forgive you. Surrender to God and his, all of his will. Say, so I want it all, Lord. Don't leave anything out. No matter what you got to do, let's have it all. And here's the beautiful one. Ask Jesus to help. He said, come, and I will help you. Amen? Amen. Here's the good one. Number four, daily treat people with meekness using all these texts as your guide. What am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to do everything Paul said. Oh, that's too much. Well, just start with one. What's the next person in your pathway? That's the one to treat with kindness and tenderness and gentleness. And as you begin, here's what Jesus said. Oh, well, my last one. And then after you've done it, and I know we're going to mess up, evaluate, learn from it, and repeat until we get it right. There's a scripture in Psalm 37. I'll close on this and pray. It says, wait on, Psalm 37, 34. It says, wait on the Lord. Let me just stop and pause there. What a beautiful thought. God said, come into my presence. Come boldly to my throne of grace and I will give you mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. What a beautiful opportunity we have. Not only because Jesus is inviting us to come close to him, but God says, come into my throne and I'll give you mercy and grace. Look at this. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. When you put God's ways first, it's gonna change how people see Jesus in us. 
When you begin to say, here I am, Lord, use me, he's going to begin to put those situations in for him to use you. And the people need to see the meek Jesus again. He people need to see that you and I have him in our heart. What caused people to believe the disciples? They said, these guys, they don't know anything, but they must have been with him. And you and I can say the same thing and let it get so much on us that we don't reek of the world and fleshiness, that we have the sweet smell of his presence on our lives, that our gentleness and our tenderness and the way we react and respond causes people to want the Jesus that we love so much. And the last part says, if you keep his weight on him, keep his way, he shall exalt you to inherit the land. You want to win, my friends? You want to get the land? You want to win the situation? Go See God move on your behalf? This is the pathway. To the humblest belongs the closest. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.